similar to a commission meeting. However, all attendees are requested to be, respect, to be respectful of the personal space of other attendees. An area of the public seating area will be designated as distanced seating. You've got room in here if you would like it to accommodate persons that need to distance for personal health reasons. Live captioned broadcasts of ZAB meetings are available on cable BTV channel 33 and via the internet uh, on the video stream. To access the meeting remotely, join from a PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Android device. Please use this URL. There's a URL in the agenda. If you do not wish for your name to appear on the screen, that's fine. Use the drop-down menu and click on it to rename yourself to be anonymous. To request to speak, just use the raise hand icon by rolling over the button on the bottom of the screen. You can join by phone. Please be mindful that the teleconference will be recorded as any ZAB meeting is recorded and all other rules of procedure and decorum will apply for ZAB meetings conducted by teleconference um, or uh, video conference. The meeting will be conducted in accordance with the Brown Act. Any member of the public may attend this meeting. The chair may limit the number of speakers and the length of time allotted for each speaker. To speak at a public hearing, please, so, so for those of you in person to speak, please submit a speaker card to planning staff as early as possible at the meeting. You can do that now, right over there. So let's start with uh, preliminary matters. Roll call, please. Thank you, Chair Duffy. When I call your name, please let me know if you are present and report any ex parte communication. Commissioner Trigu. Present. Uh, yesterday, I exchanged a communication with Jason Overman, representing the applicant for 2190 Shattuck. I asked questions regarding board safety and one of the EIR environmental impact report alternatives for lower height. And uh, I received an email addressing those questions today. Thank you. Chair Duffy. Uh, I received an email from the applicant at 20, uh, 2190 Shattuck Ave, item two on the uh, consent calendar just uh, regarding the placement on the agenda. And I just responded um, with regards to that. I also received an email from, I guess now not on the chair, I get emails, more emails. Um, I got an email from the applicant of 2403 San Pablo, um, also just about the order on the agenda. And I just responded accordingly. And that that's it, and I am present. Thank you. Commissioner Thompson. Sorry, Vice Chair Gaffney. Present, no ex parte. Thank you. Commissioner Thompson. Commissioner Schneider. Present. Um, to turn this on? Okay, present. And uh, Cecilia, who is the regular um, ZAB board member, received an email from Jason Overman representing 2190 Shattuck. I was forwarded that email and um, introduced to him and he responded to a question I had, which I am just now reading an email. So thank that's you. That's my report. Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome Holly Schneider. <laughs> I've never sat in this seat before. <laughs> Holly, you can forward that email to the um, to staff and they can put in the record. 
Like that's oh. usually what I, if I ever did an email, I was just forward it to them. Okay. We'll do. I mean, is that right? Sure. Thank you. It's easiest. Commissioner O'Keefe. Um, President, I also got an email from Jason, which I'll forward, uh, Jason Overman regarding the Shattuck project. Uh, I didn't respond. I never respond to ex days. No offense, Jason, um, but I don't do it. So it's just a wanting to ask about any questions, but I'll forward it to staff. Thank you. Commissioner Matthews. Deborah Matthews for Charles Kahn tonight. Um, no ex parte. Present. Thank you. Commissioner Young. Commissioner Sanderson. Uh, present, no ex parte. Thank you. Thank you. We're now, um, we will now move on to the next part of the preliminary matters, which is public comment on non-agenda matters. So if anybody has something they'd like to say on some, regarding something that is not on the agenda, I will first take, uh, I'll first take whoever is in person. And then I'll take, uh, I, I have also the laptop here, I'm doing both. And so I will manage the virtual meeting as well. And if you raise your hand, I see uh, Barbara Schick uh, online. Okay. Um, Zab Secretary up to grave is bringing. Can you like that, that there are items two and three? So I can sure. Oh, well, so then it, George, it's not on. Just a little technical difficulty here. Okay. Um, the closed captioning doesn't seem to be running. Okay. I see that uh, this, are you Kelly Hammergan? I am. Hello. Hi. Uh, I see that this is, is this, you wrote that, the, oh, this is item, you have to speak, uh, you, you wish to speak items two and three and non-agenda. So you'll be covering non-agenda. Thank you. I know, I know you know how this goes. Thank you. Okay. Um, so this will might seem a little bit off subject for Zab, but it will all be clear to you in the evening as I move along. Um, so I, now I'm just trying to get my screen back up. But do all of you know what ESG is? Have you ever heard of that? I would not have known what ESG is. Um, before this week. And I happened to listen to the podcast by Chris Hayes, Why Is This Happening? And ESG um, was explained by Brad Lander from New York City, and he had a discussion about um, what is happening to cities after COVID. Uh, he was speaking mostly to commercial buildings and vacancies, but he talked about ESG, which stands for environmental, social, and governance. And that is how the New York City determines how to invest their pension funds. They have eight pension funds. It's hundreds of millions of dollars, as you can imagine. 
and they choose responsible investing through environmental, social, and governance. Investors that are picking those standards and um, essentially running their business around being responsible in the environment, responsible socially, and responsible in governance. And so I just wanted to, to sort of help you think about that as we think about the evening and the projects that we're going to be looking at, that we want to think about them in the framing of the environment, our commitment to society, to people, and governance. So like I said, that will be clear as we, as we move along. So I will, I guess I only have 38 seconds left, so I will just stop. And I'm going to step over here to try and figure out what's happening with the closed captioning. Okay. Sounds good, thank you. And I have your card you, for you for items two and three as well. We have one person virtually that would also like to speak. If there is nobody, I did not receive any other speakers cards for non-agenda items. So Barbara, Barbara Schick, you are next. Let me make sure we can hear you. You looks like you're unmuted. At the last zab about a fence, my neighbors did not dispute my claim that they did not discuss the building of a fence with me, that the retaining wall, which is theirs, is in bad shape, is a few inches too low to prevent water and dirt from entering my property, and that they had often watered several feet of my yard along with theirs. With regard to my neighbors' accusations against me, which were their grounds for the eight to nine fence, foot fence plus retaining wall, I never stalked the, the wife, but did pass her once when we were walking in opposite directions. With regard to harassment, since when is phoning a neighbor or knocking on their door to ask them to adjust their oscillating sprinkler to stop watering several feet of one's yard harassment? If anything in my backyard was a safety hazard for their son, such as shovels, holes, hose, and tomato cages, why hadn't they ever mentioned it to me? I thought the reason for an AUP is required when creating any structure of over six feet at a property line is to balance the rights of both neighbors. Hopefully in the future, when allowing a 25 to 50% increase in an allowed height, at a property line, this commission will ask an appellant whether an application, an applicant's concerns and charges, which I heard for the first time at the ZAB, are accurate. Thank you for this opportunity to clear my name. On another issue, um, can the ZAB consider asking for ceilings of parking areas to be high enough? to allow for two vehicles to utilize one spot in the future with the use of what I would call a car elevator. 
I am concerned that with the restrictions on parking spaces in new buildings, that this will discriminate against people who need cars for work, like emergency personnel, uh, contractors, um, maybe social workers that have to go to several different locations, and also to families with small children. Thank you very much. I know your job isn't easy. Thank you, Barbara Schick. There are no more public comments on non-agenda matters. So we will now move to the consent calendar. And the consent calendar allows the board to take action without discussion on agenda items for which there are no persons present who wish to speak against and no board members who also wish to discuss. On the consent calendar right now, there are three different items, and I'll just first ask the board if they wish to pull anything from consent. But the first item is uh, recommending the approval of the action minutes from March 9th. The second item on the consent calendar is 2190 Shattuck Ave. It's to adopt the addendum to the 2190 Shattuck Mixed Use Project Final EIR and revise MMRP. It's also to approve the use permit for that project. Item number three on the consent calendar is 2403 San Pablo Avenue to the recommendation to approve the use permit um, for that project as well. So those are the three items on the consent calendar. And first, I just wanna ask if there's anybody on the board that would either like to make a motion or pull something from the consent calendar. Discussion, sorry, or discuss. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I, I do not wish to pull anything, but I do have some questions for staff, um, if I may. <laughs> you may, if, if, yep. Thank you, thank yep. you, Chair. Uh, you know the rules. <laughs> sometimes. Um, on 2190 Shattuck, um, I had two questions. Um, the first one deals with minimum standards for bike parking, which um, I we usually include, and I actually did not be a condition. So could staff please advise if perhaps I missed a condition or if it needs to be added? Thank you, Commissioner Trigu. Uh, Sharon, our senior planner, who's the project manager for this project, is being promoted and can uh, respond to your question. Thank you. Hi, good evening. Um, as I was being promoted to panelist, I don't know if I missed anything. I so far just heard a question about bike parking. Is that correct? Yeah, I missed seeing a standard condition, you know, the kind of like a minimum of X spaces um, of bike parking, whatever is proposed uh, for this project. And um, mm -hmm. is it included? Uh, and if not, should it be included? So we have um, rewritten our um, transportation demand management conditions uh, ever since the parking reform ordinance. Um, the biking parking is included in the condition now for 
the overall transportation demand management. So it is not pulled out separately um, as a bike parking requirement, but it's wrapped into the overall condition where the it says that the 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 um, the project has to provide all of the parking that's shown in the plans. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, well, actually, I don't see that, but I will take your word for it. But actually, my you can try to find exactly. Yeah, I don't see anything referencing bicycling specifically, but I actually did have another question on that. Okay. Um, Maybe I can try to find the exact references for you. Oh, that'll be great. Yeah, I would appreciate that. Um, mm -hmm. 62C, where it says, um, basically, if I understand this, uh, well, provide transportation benefits at no cost, that would be transit passes, if, or, well, yeah, transit passes, if I understand correctly, uh, to every... I'm just going to call out residential unit. Uh, can you please refresh my memory if uh, what the past practice has been in downtown? Um, because I some I vaguely recall it was two passes per unit. This says one, um, but that could just be a figment of my um, imagination or or memory. I think at one point there was a reference to two passes. Um, and this, the new conditions should reflect exactly what is in the, the municipal code right now. Um, I can try to look up and see if the older code was different, but the current condition reflects what the municipal code says now. Okay, that's that's fine. I mean, that does represent a change if if that's the case. Um, but yeah, if you can um, help provide clarity on where um, this condition includes a bike parking minimum. I would okay. okay, I'll work on that and get back to you. Okay, thanks. Sorry, um, I have one more question. It's on 240307 San Pablo. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember what it was. Oh, um, uh, this is one for staff. I was just curious it, um, where the staff report said this is the first um, public hearing for the project um, for state law. Um, I found it curious that the design review committee uh, appears to have met and made a recommendation prior to the project being deemed complete. And I just had a question for staff if they could elucidate me on um, whether that process is common. Sure. Katrina Lapira, our associate planner and project manager for this project, is available to respond to your comment. I think she has more information about the overall process for the project. Thank you. Good evening, board members. Oh. Um, yeah, hello. Um, so if the project has been deemed complete, 
If there are DRC or LPC hearings that occur beforehand, they're not counted as a public hearing. So anything that happens after the project has been deemed complete counts as a public hearing. And this is a common process for several of our projects. Okay, thank you. So my question for you is, do those satisfy you enough to wish to not pull them from consent? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I did not intend to pull them off consent. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, uh, uh, Holly? Uh, yes. I Can you hear me? Is that on now? Um, I have a few questions about 2190 Shattuck Avenue and wondered if we could pull it for further discussion, like to the action calendar. Sounds good. Councilmember Sanderson. I just Board wanted to make note that um, on this, on the one on, oh, what is the name? <laughs> the other project, not the big one, the little one, 2403 San Pablo, um, that I just wanted, I talked with staff about the requirements for affordable housing units. Mm -hmm. And we had some discussion, and they will be reading something into the record before we take action on that. So thank I just you. Yep, that's right. Because hold that, that space. <laughs> you got it, and that's that's part of the additional conditions that we have in front of us. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting Thanks, a nod Matt. from yeah. Samantha and Claudia. So, mm -hmm. um, so currently, we need a motion. And the motion would be? Oh, that's, well, that's right. If there are any, so currently we have, let me just, let me just uh, get everyone up to speed here. Currently we have 2190 Shattuck pulled from consent. We do not have 2403 currently uh, pulled from consent. Um, if the public would like to speak about the consent calendar and pull any project from consent, you can submit uh, either uh, raise your hand online or submit a green card to speak publicly about that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, no green cards. I see one hand online. Oh, I see, well, I see a hand regarding, uh, and I see another hand. There's a question. Okay, uh, then you would need to submit a card if you could. Please do. Um, yeah, we'll just wait a minute. I'm not used to this. I mean, I'm I'm used to filling out cards. I've done that before, but now I receive the cards. It's a little different. Thanks for your patience, everybody. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
for going through that awkward procedure. <laughs> okay. Got it. Okay. Okay. So both items. Oh, well. Um, you are now welcome to come up and speak, Sierra Gonzalez. Hi, welcome. And just so you know, if you would like the item pulled, you can just speak. You can say that first. Um, gentle reminder, Chair Duffy. I think um, both items. If the both items are going to be pulled from the consent calendar, then perhaps we should vote on the consent calendar, which includes one item for the minutes for the last hearing, and then we can begin the hearings for each of the two items that have been pulled from consent. Got it. Thank you. Hello, community members, community. My name is Sierra Gonzalez. This is actually my first time speaking with you all today. I hope I'm doing this the right way, but I know exactly what my intentions are. I'm, so hopefully I'm sorry, Sierra. I think yes. first we need to vote on the consent calendar. Okay. Well, no, because the, the item might not be pulled from consent yet. I think she's in, she shared that she is an Position and would like to pull the item from consent. Got it. Understood. So if the item is pulled from consent, then you can speak at the public hearing. So okay. hold on a second. We okay. are now going to vote on the fact that both items have been pulled from consent. Great. And Should I stay here or have a seat? I think you got to have a seat. I'm All sorry. Right. <laughs> but we appreciate the enthusiasm. Appreciate Thank you very much. Takes a team. Thank you, everybody. We're figuring it out. We're doing it. So I will. If anyone has a motion, yes, a motion to move the minutes from what was the date of the meeting? Uh, the minutes from March 9th. Is there a second? Second. You have a second. I have a question. Just Go so, ahead, Deborah Sanderson. Uh, I've read the additional conditions for 2403. Uh, San Pablo Avenue, and I still don't see, I don't completely understand this. So um, if I'm the only one <laughs> that's a little confused, I'll just talk with staff. Uh, well, we, we have a member of the public who wishes to pull it from consent anyway. Oh, okay. And so it's pulled from consent. So we're just now, the, um, the motion on the floor is just to pull the minutes. minutes. Okay, go back to sleep. Keep going on the minutes. Okay, so we have a motion by Vice Chair Gaffney and a second from Commissioner Trigu to approve the minutes for the March 9th hearing. Um, when I call your name, please uh, say aye or yes or no. Commissioner Trigu? Yes. Chair Duffy? Yes. Uh, Vice Chair Gaffney? Yes. Commissioner Thompson? Commissioner, Commissioner Scheider? I will abstain since I wasn't here at the last meeting. Thank you. Commissioner O'Keefe? Yes. Commissioner Matthews? Yes. Commissioner Young? Commissioner Sanderson? Yes. Thank you. The motion passes. We will now move on to the action calendar. The first item on the action calendar is at the chair's discretion and I select 2403 San Paolo Ave to go first and then 2190 Shattuck to go second. And so first we'll have um, a presentation from staff and then the applicant 
and public comment. All right, I'll go ahead and share my screen. Can you all see it? Okay, great. Good evening, everyone. My name is Katrina Lapira, and I'm the planner for the project before you, located at 24307 San Pablo Avenue. This is a mixed-use residential project, um, and it is slated for ownership units and co-housing as well. Before we begin, I'll review the proposed modifications of bike parking received by the applicant and some additional conditions of approval. The project will be modified so that the long-term bike parking provided will be reduced from 36 to 27 spaces, and that the short-term bike parking will be reduced from six to two spaces. These modifications are consistent with the bike parking requirements in the municipal code. Additional modifications include revising and adding five conditions of approval that regulate affordable housing fees for rental units. And as you can see, um, I couldn't fit all of the conditions of approval on one slide, so let me know if you'd like me to pan back to one of them. Anyways, these were added because although the project is slated to be an ownership project, until a condo map is issued, the units are technically regulated as rentals. And staff just wanted to clarify that these would be applicable. Changes to the bike parking and COAs shall be reflected in a revised staff report, conditions of approval, and plans. Back to the item. The project site is located along San Pablo Avenue Commercial Corridor within the West Berkeley plan area and is situated at the intersection of Channing Way and San Pablo Avenue. Apart from the subject lot, existing uses in the area between Channing and Dwight include two-story multifamily buildings, automotive, and retail uses. The rear of the project site, to the east, abuts a residential zoning district comprised of single-family dwelling units and duplex units. Several sites along the section of San Pablo Avenue have current applications for redevelopment in progress. The majority of these projects are infill, mixed-use developments that propose residential and commercial floor area. The lot is zoned as CW. The project site spans two lots, is relatively flat, with about 232 feet of frontage along San Pablo and about 100 feet of frontage along Channing Way. The site is currently developed with a one-story commercial building and several accessory structures. The lot is accessed by two curb cuts along San Pablo Avenue and one along Channing Way. The zoning allows for the demolition of the existing building and the construction of a 53,013 square foot building at a height of 50 feet, consisting of 36 units, five stories, and 603 square feet of commercial space. The proposed project meets the objective standards set forth in the zoning ordinance and is consistent with the land use designation and policies of the general plan. As such, staff recommends that the board holds a public hearing and upon conclusion, approve the zoning permit pursuant to the section before you and subject to the revised findings and conditions. This concludes staff's presentation. Let me know if you have any questions or if you'd like me to pan back to the specific slide. 
Thanks. Any questions for, for staff? Board Member Tregu. Yeah, sorry to be pedantic. Um, but thank you so much for the presentation. Um, so this question was about bike parking, and I'm not sure which staff member could answer this, but I'm still unclear. Uh, so this project includes a standard condition for minimum bike parking, condition 67. Um, and the other project in before us tonight does not. Mm -hmm. Can you please clarify when a standard condition is needed and when it is not? Yes. Um, unfortunately, condition 67 was included in this document in error. It shouldn't have been given. Um, so based on what Sharon shared earlier, it is part of our code. And we did confirm this with our planning manager this morning, um, given the discrepancy between the two um, staff reports. Um, as shown on the screen here, Katrina is uh, showing the required number of parking, um, bicycle parking spaces for the project. So we do have a minimum requirement for that. Okay, and mm -hmm. sorry, I didn't catch, uh, does that mean you're proposing to remove condition 67 or should it be modified to reflect the new number? Um, no, we're not proposing to remove it. Um, I think the, the number of, required bicycle parking spaces is required regardless of condition 67. Um, and then going back to the condition that Sharon referred to, um, and as because bicycle parking is included in our revised transportation demand management plan for the city, that's condition 57A. So instead of 67, we should have just been referring to 57A and both of the staff reports include that condition. Okay, thank you. So I'm uh, still unclear then if you're not proposing to remove 67, does that mean it will in fact have at least 42 bicycles, which is yay, that would be more bicycle parking is better than less, but I just wanted to clarify again. Sure. Um, as yes, as noted in condition 67, it is reflecting 42 bicycle spaces, but we would revise it to show the correct number as shown on the slide, which is 36. Uh, I have a question. Are you through? Are you through, Trigo? Oh, um, yeah, I'm still confused, but I'm through. <laughs> so when I look at the um, the table, required, proposed modification, and existing. So the required is 29. Their proposed is 29. So why aren't we just changing this 42 to 29? Yes, that's correct. Sorry, I misspoke. Okay, mm -hmm. thank you. And we can just read that into the record. Right. Right. So I just to clarify, previous to this hearing, um, the proposed project as written in the staff report included a higher number of bicycle parking spaces. That was recently revised to meet the requirement, the minimum requirement, which is 27 long-term 
and two short-term, so 29 total. So then, so you would be revising to make a motion, it would include a revised condition 67. Yes, correct. Thank that you. is correct. Thank you. Are there any other questions for staff from the board before we move to applicant presentation? Or, uh, and yep. No? Okay. So then now we're going to move to applicant presentation. Thank you. Thank you. They're coming? They're presenting virtually. Got it. Okay. I saw a hand raised. Thank you. I know I've got... I have, I have additional information over here, but I did see the hand hand raised and I was curious if that was the applicant, if they'll be, if they'll be presenting virtually. Yes, we're doing a Zoom this evening. All right. Yeah. We can hear you. Oh, great. This is Buddy Williams, Studio KDA. Sorry, video. If you could turn up or speak a little closer to your mic, it would be a little more helpful. Sure, sure. Please. Can do. I just have a few slides. How much time should I be using, Katrina? What's our time limit? I'll probably be just a couple minutes. I only have about four, about 10. You've got five minutes. Okay, well, that's plenty of time. Okay. So I'm really, I'm really excited to show this project. It's such a unique- Buddy, hold on one second. Sorry to interrupt you. If you could speak up more, we have someone from the public um, and a, a few members of the public who, who cannot completely hear you in the audience. Uh, bummer. Okay, I'll turn up all the way. So I'm really excited about this project as an office where we've been working with these folks for a couple of years now. And it's such a unique project for us because it's not just your uh, uh, one of our more conventional or cool apartment buildings, but because it's co-housing over the last few years, we've been able to work with the folks who want to live here. And it's I wanted to spend a minute talking about the team because because of its unique aspects with it. Uh, we have. Katie McCammett with Co-Housing Solutions. She literally wrote the book on co-housing and has been an advisor for us. Uh, Studio Cadier knows a few things about housing. Urban Development Partners, they uh, have done co-housing in the past. They're advising uh, the team on how to get this thing built. And Dunkel Architecture is the architecture record who's gonna take this thing all the way through construction. And then Roger Studley uh, is just his motivation and his drive to, to pull this project together and to form a group and, and a community that's starting now that wants to live in this project is extremely exciting for us to, to see happen. It's a great location, lots of transit on the state highway. Um, in terms of the, the building was formed by the committee, the, the ones who are going to live here along with us all together. Uh, it's formed around the central courtyard, uh, spinning off of that Moshav narrative. And in terms of uh, at the fourth, uh, these the floors above, we wrap the, the units around that courtyard and we have these little interstitial outdoor play and gathering spaces as part of that. And then from the street, we've got a, a, a nice composition that we're really excited about. In the inside in the courtyard, we have um, this gathering space with the gardens and places to play. 
And then I had to include this because this is the only time I'm ever to get this in my life. I got to get one of these is the neighbor who's adjacent to us is really happy with the project, the way Roger has been upfront with him and addressing their concerns. Um, I'm not going to get this again, but they look forward to us uh, uh, developing this project adjacent to their home, knowing that these are going to be good neighbors. It's an exciting project. That's all the pictures I have. I know that we also, I wanted to concede my time for Noah, who is part of our group. Can we do that, Katrina? Will you let uh, Noah speak as well? I'm going to stop share. Hello. Can folks hear me? We can hear you loud and clear. Thank you, Noah. Oh, not anymore. Sorry. Now I'm unmuted. Sorry about that. There we go. Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. My name is Noah Broad. Um, I live here in Berkeley in the Southside neighborhood. Um, might have heard my my new son in the background, Julian. Um, and uh, he and uh, my wife, Hillary, are really excited to be members of the Berkeley Moshav co-housing community. Um, it's a, you know, it's something that the community is designing and building ourselves, the people who live there are helping to design this uh this this project and building it around both our community values but also the things that uh community members just want to have uh whether it's shared spaces or or uh, a lot more open accessible uh, spots and including public art and the the design of the building is something that we think will be uh, a benefit to the city of berkeley so I don't know, how, you know. I don't want to take up too much time, but I also want to want to have some time just to have a some member who's who's helping to design and and bring this product to fruition. Because the unique nature of co housing is that it's not simply developer built and then sold to the public. It's built in conjunction with the people who live there. Thank you, Noah. Does anyone from the board have a question or questions for the applicant at this time? If not, then we'll move to the public comment period. And I'll start with my three green cards. And we can begin um, with David, and then we'll have Sierra, and then we'll have Kelly. But David, if you could come to the podium and speak, you've got two minutes. Good evening. I've never done this before either. Me neither. My name's David Weisblatt. I live across San Pablo from the proposed project, and I understand and support the need for the value for increased density and everything. My, I'd like to express general concern about this project and, and related sorts, uh, and that is the, the height tends to create shadows. Like I know I have solar panels, so when I'm thinking about when the, the next project on the on my side of San Pablo comes, um, how how you negotiate the height and the setbacks for the shading and things like that. And also just to put in a plug um, for uh, native plant landscaping, if at all possible, on the project. Thank you. Thank you, David. After the in-person, 
version will then go to uh, the online as well. Uh, Sierra Gonzalez, you are next. Please come on up. Thank you for your patience and Thank figuring you. that out. Thank you. Hello, everyone, again. Um, my name is Sierra Gonzalez. I'm an educator here in the Alameda County and I'm an artist, um, an entrepreneur and a wellness practitioner. And I, as much as I also do understand the importance and significance of creating affordable housing and uh, the density, as David mentioned, um, I feel that there is a specific area where this property, this land can actually be repurposed to maintain that similar um, that 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 need to speak to the need, but also more specifically put it back into the hands of the artists um, in the Berkeley community. Um, I'm referencing a study, a survey, the Affordable Housing for Artists in Berkeley survey that was conducted in 2018. And this project aims to respond to the concerns around housing um, specifically for art for artists. And in this survey, it talks about how most artists use where they're living as where they're working. So to have space that speaks to both needs is extremely important. I'm here with a colleague and a partner of mine who is also a business owner and artist and Berkeley has been for 10 years more. And we're actually wanting to put together, uh, well, we, we have a co-op of artists and wellness workers and practitioners who are in need of housing. And this space in particular has been on our minds for years. And so every time we pass it, we look at how beautiful it is. I don't know if you've ever seen this property, um, but it's it's whimsical, it's different. It holds an integrity of art that is unique to Berkeley. And we as artists recognize the value in preserving as much of that as possible rather than demolishing it and building more tall skyscraper style buildings uh, or mini rather. Um, so we propose that this motion be put on hold um, because we are artists who want to have agency where over where we live, over where we work. We want to maintain the culture of Berkeley, but we also want to be protected. And according to the survey, there are funds, there, there is interest, there is a need specifically for artists and specifically for artists in this area to have safe spaces to live and work. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kelly Hammergren. Okay, thank you. Um, I'll try to be concise, though that usually is not my trait. Um, so I wanted to say, I remember this project from DRC and uh, putting it all, all together. Um, I, you know, I hear the neighbors, but uh, four stories is pretty low compared to what we're usually dealing with these days, which are more like eight and 10 stories um, in the neighborhoods. Um, my request is that, um, as one speaker said, they use native plants. Um, I can't get my computer to work quite right tonight, so I haven't been able to go through all the plants again. Um, and then the other request is, and this is the KDA project, so I know that they are familiar with bird safe features, and I ask that they use bird safe features. I expect that this building um, is probably on a pretty tight budget, and they could make those bird safe features by having external screens on a building this size. Um, 
and the other the other choice is film, but actually um, screens like insect screens on the outside of windows on this project would make it bird safe and that would not cost them very much extra to do that. In fact, depending on what type of windows they choose, it may already be included. Um, so that is my request that we just make this, ask them to make this bird safe by um, using external screens. Of course, if they wanted to use bird safe glass, we would love that. The birds would love the bird safe glass, but they can do it with screens. Thank you. Thank you. One last speaker in person, and then we'll go to online. Vernon Thies. Welcome. Oh, good to see you there. Um, I'm Vernon Tice. And so my concern is I just saw the flashing of the slides, Claudia, and I saw the slide for four stories, which I'm totally approved of because there's other buildings down on San Pablo, which are five stories and higher. And then I hear from you, you're saying five stories. So is it four stories? And the notice that I got in the mail, it says four stories, but then I'm hearing five stories. I just want to make sure there's not a little contradiction. So that's why I'm raising that alarm. That's all. I'm in favor of it. Um, thank you. Thank you. Okay. We have one hand, Sandra Rosenblum. Virtually. If there's no Sandra Rosenblum, figuring it out. Thank you for figuring it all out. And I was just thinking, realizing that like I'm getting credit for working all this out, but like you're working it out all over there. So thank you. <laughs> because Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Sandra, go ahead. We can hear you loud and clear. Thanks very much. Um, my name is Sandra Rosenblum, and I'm a member of the Berkeley Moshav community, and I'm representing um, 15 households uh, with folks ranging in age from three months to in their early 80s. And we know that multifamily housing is more sustainable and that increasing density increases access to housing for people at all income levels. But people shy away from multifamily units because they don't trust their neighbors to have their best interests at heart. This project can serve as a model of sustainable living that promotes connection among the residents and to the community at large. Many of the households involved in the project are moving from single family homes to take advantage of this. Please improve, approve this project in a timely way tonight to move along a housing project that offers a great solution to many of the housing related problems that our community faces. Thanks so much for your consideration. Thank you. I see one more hand, Tanya. Hi, thanks so much for hearing me. Um, Hello, you're welcome. 
Hi, um, I just want to let everybody know, I've been following the development of the Moshav, the Berkeley Moshav and the news for a long time. I'm a big supporter of the project. I think it's fabulous. I think co-housing is such a wonderful model to have people of different generations being able to live together. It's something that's really missing from society here in the, uh, in the States. And those places where co-housing you know, is being built is typically up in, you know, Sonoma County or out near Sacramento or out in New Mexico, you know, places where property uh, is less expensive. And so this is a very difficult endeavor uh, that these 15 um, families have uh, taken upon themselves in order to actually do it here in Berkeley. Uh, I'm very impressed. Um, I wish them lots of luck. And I just have two quick minor comments. The first thing is if there's any way you guys could maybe just make the facade on the San Pablo Avenue um, just a little more interesting. KDA is a fantastic uh, firm. I think they have a little bit more in their creative uh, uh, well there. Um, I, I, it might be a nice thing to be able to do. Um, and uh, the second thing is, I know that commercial um, spaces can be difficult to fill. And I'm hoping if you do have commercial spaces there on the first floor, that perhaps they could be used for um, things that can support the community, um, maybe schooling or Judaica store, whatever it might be. Um, it, would be it would be nice to see some commercial spaces that can support the community. All right, best of luck. I do support the project. Thank you very much. With no more public comment, we'll now close the public comment period. And I think the council can, can give him two minutes to respond to. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. The applicant can be given two minutes to respond to any questions that have been arisen that have arisen throughout the process. Would the applicant like to address anything that has come forth? And I realize uh, you're online, so raise your hand if that's a yes. If not, then if I see no hands, then you've lost your chance, and that's fine. Arch, one more thing for you. Yes. Oh, buddy, is that you? Yeah, just one more okay, thing. Okay, buddy, exactly. I didn't see your hand, but I hear you. Great. Go ahead. Yeah, we are including the public art in the, on the front of the building, and we're going to have... Um, buddy, hold on one more second. If you could speak louder again, that would be great. Is that um, we are going to have a public art process uh, that we are going to get a public artist who's going to work with the community members and of the building and. Um, that that's going to be something that's going to be really cool on the front of the building on San Pablo. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be cool. I can tell you that part. That's it. Thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, Igor. In deference to Kelly's uh, comments, um, can you speak to whether it is your intent to use native plantings um, and board safe external screening, noting that it is not at this time a requirement. However, I think I would certainly feel, and I think it would be shared by others, is a best practice. Yes, we'll we'll endeavor to use a range of bird safe strategies. Uh, it could be glazing options, uh, fenestration, lighting strategies. Um, ultimately, we too want to reduce bird collisions. 
And do you have a comment regarding native planting? I thought that most of it, if there's anybody else on the call too, but I thought that most of what uh, she had put together was natives. Is it not listed within the LA drawings in our packet? Let's take, I thought that's it did. Good. So, um, and actually, yeah, I that's, apologize that's one of their priorities. Comment, not Kelly's on native plantings. Yeah, that's certainly one of their priorities. Um, the, the folks who are putting that together are, are fairly ver well-versed in that avenue of, of natives as part of the public display on San Pablo, as well as partial uh, within the courtyard shared by the community members who live there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now to the board, any discussion, any proposals? If we could close the public comment, that would be great. The public comment is now closed. Any hands, I'll call on you. Deborah Sanderson, go for it. I don't see a, I see a um, site improvement plan with some trees and stuff. I don't think we have the landscape plan, but that's okay because they've made the commitment verbally. I don't see condition of approval for it, but um, they've made the con condition uh, verbally that they intend to focus on native species. So I think that that's, we, that's in the record. So that's good enough for me. Um, I would also like to mention that there are other requirements that affect these windows besides making them bird safe. There are also requirements for the windows to guarantee uh, in, in, indoor noise. And a lot of these transit corridors, they're going to blow the in, uh, indoor noise right out the ceiling. They're very noisy. So all of the projects now have a condition requiring them to meet the indoor noise standard. And they can do, they often have to use windows in some, certain ways to do that. So um, I just wanted to point out that, you know, they will have to deal with, you know, potential conflict, but um, it's not an all or nothing. Thank you. Thank you, board member Sanderson. Any other discussion? Igor, I um, just want to thank the applicant and staff. Um, this is a really exciting project uh, to me. I, I mean, I used to serve on the Housing Advisory Commission and having new, creating new co-living spaces seems to be such a rarity to all that work that's involved to put together financing for it. Um, this is so exciting to me. Um, I do want to acknowledge the input uh, from community members. Um, to the gentleman who spoke about his general concern, um, and you know that that is always going to be a conflict, uh, you know, between housing and. Uh, Shadow impacts, other impacts. Uh, I, I mean, I work in solar. I'm not representing my employers uh, right now. Uh, in my comments, I, I firmly believe in solar access. I also firmly believe that without housing, you can't have solar access. Um, and and there's such a critical need for housing that 
families can afford. Um, uh, to the speaker who um, mentioned um, the importance of uh, providing housing for artists, uh, I um, the zoning board uh, is well. First of all, we're also required by state law because this is in compliance with all applicable um, objective and other standards to approve this. Um, but and we are not in a position to uh, choose between applicants. Um, however, I I acknowledge your point. I would love to see more housing for artists. Um, I actually, and this is maybe a question I can take offline with staff, but I in 2017, maybe 2018, when I was on the board, um, I believe we approved um, a project uh, just uh, a short block from where I live um, that on San Pablo in Delaware that was then intended to be used as artist housing. I would love to see uh, that break ground. It's been a while. Um, we do need more such spaces. Um, uh, with that said, this is a small but significant step towards housing that everyday families can afford. Uh, and I know we are um, next week, about to absorb Passover. It is a time of reflection and liberation. And I feel that this project is very liberating. Um, I'm excited. Um, so I, I'm happy to move um, with the changes to the conditions uh, as listed by staff. I think it was just that one change on bike parking, uh, reflecting the condition. 67, um, changing 42 to 29 bicycles, and then the conditions that uh, on affordable housing that um, Debbie um, was, uh, thank you for making a note of that and ensuring that that is, um, that is added, um, as well as a uh, recommendations um, around uh, board safety, which I, I know that the applicant is listening and uh, will um, make those uh, adjustments. So that is my motion. We have a motion. Do we have a second or do we have yep. a comment? That's second. a second from board member Sanderson. So we have a motion to approve and we have a second. I would just also like to mention that it's, it is four stories. Everything on here says four stories. All the things say four stories. So um, I checked for you, Vernon. Thank you. Um, we have a motion from Commissioner Trigu and a second from Commissioner Sanderson to approve 2403 San Pablo uh, with revisions to condition 67 to clarify the number of bike parking spaces, the addition of affordable housing conditions of approval, and recommendations to incorporate bird safe strategies and uh, primarily native plantings to the landscape plan. Um, when I call your name, please state whether um, you uh, say I no, abstain, or <laughs> recuse yourself. Um, Commissioner Trigu. Aye. Chairperson Duffy. Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Thompson. 
Commissioner Scheider. Aye. Commissioner O'Keefe. Yes. Commissioner Matthews. Yes. Commissioner Young. Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. The ayes and the yeses have it. The project use permit is approved. It's appealable for 14 days after your notice of decision. Thank you. On to the next item on the, gen uh, the agenda and the last item on the agenda, or the last item on the action calendar, 2190 Shattuck Avenue. We'll begin with a staff presentation. And again, anyone who has uh, who would like to speak publicly in person, you can um, you can submit a green card to Claudia Garcia, the Zab Secretary. Hi, good evening. I hope you can all hear me. Um, I, before I begin, um, uh, I'm Sharon Gong, the project planner for 2190 Shattuck Avenue. Um, I did want to address um, uh, board member Trey Goob's questions from earlier, um, and perhaps I can shed some light on the bike parking condition. Um, the new conditions that were written um, after the bike uh, or the parking reform um, changed the references to bike parking. Um, and I was misremembering the, the condition that had the reference to the bike parking is actually the condition for the non-CDMU uh, districts and the Bike parking reference is actually not in the CDMU condition, but regardless of that reference, um, after the parking reform um, ordinance came through, bike parking became a requirement. And that separate bike parking condition is no longer needed because the bike parking is now, as a required element, um, shown in the plans. And the plans are the condition, become the condition of approval where um, the project needs to comply or be consistent with the approved plans. So it, in any case, the, uh, the bike parking in this project without the reference to uh, specifically in the condition should be uh, covered because it's a, a requirement um, and it's shown in the plans. So I hope that that helps to satisfy that question. The other question about the bus passes, the two versus one, um, in in the CDMU, um, it's um, it's a one bus pass requirement. And I think maybe in the past there have been um, additions of more bike uh, bus passes to the condition. But in the CDMU, in the BMC, uh, the requirement is just one bus pass. So I hope that clarifies things there. 
Um, I can now move on to presenting the, the uh, 2190 um, project. Let me try to share my screen here. Okay, I hope that. Yep, we can see it. Hope that works. Great, thank you. Great, thank you. Okay, wonderful. Okay, um, and I do have to make a clarification uh, before I begin the the uh, presentation. Um, the applicants uh, notified staff on March twenty eighth that the property owner for the site has changed. Um, it's changed from PR three Shattuck LLC to LMP Shattuck. Property Owner, LLC. So now I'll give a, a, an introduction to the project and then I'll pass it on to Rincon Consultants to give a summary of the CEQA review for the project. So the 2190 Shattuck Mixed Use Project is a modification of the project originally approved under ZP 2116-0117 in 2019. The modified project proposes to construct a 25-story mixed-use density bonus project with 326 units, including up to 32 very low-income density bonus qualifying units, approximately 7,500 square feet of commercial space, and approximately 51 underground parking spaces. The project site is located in the CDMU Downtown Mixed-Use District core sub-area on a parcel that uh, is at the northwest corner of the Shattuck Avenue and Alston Way uh, Street intersection and is surrounded by properties in the same zoning district. In the vicinity to the site's north on the eastern side is a building housing offices, retail and restaurant uses. Here. To the north on the western side and directly west, is a public parking garage. To the south is the Hotel Shattuck Plaza and the site of a recently approved eight-story 187-unit mixed-use project. And to the east is the Target store. Building heights in the immediate vicinity range in height from one-story commercial buildings across Shattuck to the 16-story Residence in Hotel at 2129 Shattuck Avenue. The project site is currently occupied by the Walgreens Drugstore and Pharmacy on the ground floor, office uses on the second floor, and a vacant basement level. Building permits for the original project that were uh, that was approved in January of 2019 were submitted but never issued, and this use permit modification for the modified project that the board is considering tonight was submitted in April of 2022. The project proposes to modify the project originally approved in 2019 to construct a building that utilizes the state density bonus in a mixed use building with these following main components. 25 stories, 268 feet, six inches in height, 326 dwelling units with 21 studios, seven one bedroom, 113 two-bedroom, 
29 three bedroom, 69 four bedroom, and 23 five bedroom units for a total of 983 bedrooms in total. 32 very low income units, 7,500 square feet of ground floor commercial space, 29,719 square feet of usable open space in a roof deck and private balconies, 51 residential vehicle parking spaces in a ground level garage, and 271 bike spaces in three bike rooms. And finally, a com community benefits package, including a project labor agreement and a 677 square foot community room for public use. The project qualifies for a state density bonus by providing the 32 very low income units for a 46.25% bonus to add 100 and three bonus units to the 223 unit base project for the total of 326 units. The project requests concessions to reduce the commercial parking and car share requirements and requests waivers of height setbacks, diagonal width, use of open space and privately owned public open space. The design review committee forwards a favorable recommendation to the ZAB with one condition and several recommendations for final design review. The project is subject to environmental review under CEQA because of the project's uh, impacts to the environment. And at this point, I'm gonna hand it over to Jesse Vorenberg of Rincon Consultants to talk about the CEQA review and EIR addendum for the project. Thank you, Ms. Gong and board members. Can everyone hear me? Loud and clear. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Jesse Vorenberg. I'm an environmental planner, uh, planning project manager with Rincon Consultants. Uh, we assisted with the preparation of the environmental analysis under CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act, uh, for the project. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, Sharon, can you hop to the next slide? Um, so to provide some context, the project originally subject to CEQA and analyzed in an environmental impact report in 2018 was a mixed use residential commercial building that reached up to 180 feet over 18 stories. The building was proposed to be constructed with the materials listed on the slide, predominantly slotted aluminum panels, glass curtain walls and spandrel panels, vertical fins of translucent glass and cantilevered glass uh, panels. The building was uh, proposed to have 274 market rate residential units, and the building would have included two-story subterranean parking garage. Uh, finally, the building was also analyzed, assuming it would use both natural gas and electricity. Next slide. Uh, so the EIR for the original project just described was streamlined under the Berkeley Downtown Area Plan EIR, which was prepared in 2009. A few impacts were determined to be potentially significant for the original project related both to the project design itself and the project site. Uh, project design impacts were related to cultural resources and transportation. The cultural resources impacts were mitigated by modifying the design of the building to ensure compatibility with the Shattuck Hotel and other historic structures in the area, while transportation impacts were related to construction safety and driveway and loading management, which were also mitigated. 
project site impacts were related to geology and soils and tribal cultural resources. Project site is adjacent to the Strawberry Creek culvert and BART substructures. So mitigation was required to maintain structural integrity of those structures and the proposed building itself. Tribal cultural impacts were mitigated to address the unanticipated discovery of said resources. Um, additionally, some mitigation measures from the downtown area plan EIR carried over to the original project to mitigate air quality and noise construction impacts and ensure that residences were well insulated to minimize ambient noise infiltration. Next slide. So there, there are a number of differences between the original project, analyze and modified project being discussed today that are relevant to the environmental analysis under CEQA. Um, most differences are related to the increased project density uh, that's being utilized through the state density bonus, which is allowable given the provision of the 32 affordable units. Um, while square footage, height, and number of units are proposed to increase, modified project includes one fewer subterranean parking level and thus less excavation during construction. Um, additionally, some design mitigation that would have been implemented under the original project has been integrated into the design of the currently proposed building uh, to both fit the uh, better fit the surrounding area and also city design guidelines. Um, additionally, the building would be electric only under the city's natural gas prohibition and not include natural gas hookups. <clears throat> Slide. Thanks. Um, so without getting too deep into the sequin nitty gritty, um, an EIR addendum can be prepared if substantial changes that may cause new or substantially more severe uh, significant impacts than previously analyzed may occur. Uh, since the modified project would include uh, technical changes to increase the overall development intensity of the approved project, um, but the project site itself is unchanged, uh, an addendum is appropriate. Next slide. Uh, when we analyzed the modified project, we found that all impacts would be similar to or reduced in comparison to the original project. Um, additionally, the modified project wouldn't require implementation of the cultural resources mitigation related to building design features, um, since those as I mentioned before, mitigation uh, mitigation measures were integrated into the um, project design itself. Uh, mitigation that I previously discussed from both the original EIR and downtown area plan EIR related to construction, uh, operational noise, geology, transportation, and tribal cultural resources would continue to apply. Uh, transportation was also analyzed from the perspective of vehicle miles traveled, uh, which was found to have a less than significant impact considering the downtown uh, status as a transit priority area. Next slide. Uh, so the mitigation measures themselves can be found within the addendum, um, if you'd like to read them verbatim. Uh, they're summarized on this slide. I'm happy to expand upon these, any of these measures during uh, Q&A, uh, but for now I'll yield presentation back to Ms. Gong. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Um, for now, I'll just note a couple more points. 
um, and then conclude. So the project is eligible for approval according to the State Housing Accountability Act, or HAA, pursuant, pursuant to the HAA because the project is compliant with all objective standards. Um, it cannot be denied, nor can the density be reduced unless the findings can be made that the project would cause specific adverse impact that, that cannot be feasibly mitigated. The project is also eligible for Senate Bill 330 streamlined review, and this meeting is the third out of five public meetings that the city can hold for review and dis decision on the project, with the last public hearing reserved for a potential appeal to the city council. And finally, uh, oops, sorry. Uh, I want to present to the board uh, the bird safety condition of approval that was identified in the original project's final EIR to mitigate project impact to biological resource resources to be less than significant. And Stafford recommends that the board include these project conditions. The condition language is shown here in the slide for the record. That concludes staff's presentation and we can take questions that you might have. Thank you. Now is the time where anybody on the board, if you have a question, I'll recognize you. Go ahead, Kim. Hi, thank you for your presentation. Um, I just have one question. Um, my question on if it's possible to uh, modify the condition that um, only one transit pass per unit is um, required, uh, especially for those two to four bedroom units. I mean, if we'd at least be able to give two transit passes per unit, I think that would be a start. Um, I'm just curious if that's something that's in our purview or um, or not. So yeah, thank you. So um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the one bus pass is what's required in the municipal code. Um, if the ZAB wanted to negotiate with the applicants to provide more, uh, then they can have a discussion about that. All right, thank you. I'll save that for later then. Any other board members for with questions? Deborah Sanderson. Uh, this is gonna sound kind of picky, but um, I like proposed projects to be really clear on what's being built. So I'm onto the bike parking. Um, I understand that you say it's required already, so we don't need, and it's in the plan, so we don't need to have a condition for it. But frankly, when I looked at the staff report and the plan sheets, three different sheets, I can't tell you what, um, how many biking parking spaces are required. It looks like maybe 304. So um, when, if staff could walk me through and show me how one figures out how many bikes parking spaces are required, I would really appreciate that. Okay. Um, well, it is in the staff report. Uh, there is a development standards table on page 10, uh, table four, that shows so, uh, line items for all of the parking, bike parking. So well. when, I'm, when I'm looking at the staff report, it would be well, 312, I believe, something like that. 51 plus 271, right? Uh, so the bike parking total is 271 long-term and 24 short-term. 
Well, this says 51 in the garage and 27, 271 in three bike rooms. So that, um, this is my dilemma. I, I see different numbers. When I go to sheet okay. A01, I don't, there's a zoning code data um, table. And I guess this doesn't tell us what they're doing. It just says what's required. And then you go to, sorry, guys, I'm not really pisser on this. You go to uh, sheet O um, to C, and it says that bicycle parking calculations, 224. So that's 304. It, it, sounds, it sounds picky, but it ought to be consistent. Okay. And I just, um, you know, yeah. I, to tell staff to go or tell this public that they, to find out how many bark, bike, yes, parking spaces are required for bikes, that they're to look in the plan sheets. Um, I think they need more direct guidance on which plan sheet, because it's in several. So anyway, I guess that would be, um, my advice is that we, whatever it is, state it clearly. Um, so I don't, I mean, I don't know which plan sheet you're intending to be the one that shows what they're gonna actually build. Is that uh, okay? Yeah, I understand your comment and um, uh, point taken. Um, it can be confusing. Um, in the plan set on sheet A 0 0.1 mm -hmm. is all of the zoning code data. We've got bike parking calculations here and it's showing 271 long-term and 24 short-term. Now is that This yeah, too. that jibes with the staff report table as well. Do you see it in the middle of the sheet on A0.1? I can yeah, show share my screen and if that's... The total is 295. Bicycle parking calculations, 271, then 20, then four, correct? Mm -hmm. So 271 long-term and 24 short-term. Yeah, but 295 total. Uh, yes. Correct. Okay. And in the staff report, it's 271 plus 51. That's uh, 51 is actually is in the line item under parking, not bike parking. If I could just jump in and clarify. Right. Yeah, Our, that's the car that's parking. Car parking. Oh, right. So it's just the 271. Yeah. So I'm just quoting the 271 long-term parking because okay. the the short-term parking is is off the site. It's on. It's in the public right away. But that still matters, you know, as people are going to use these commercial spaces. So, um, if two seventy-one is it, then the sheet on um, a zero point two C has. 280, I mean, it's picky, but let's just make them the same everywhere. That's all. Thank you. So the, I'm no, sorry. I, I, I think I got it figured out. It. We have other big, bigger fish to fry. I think I see is what's it, on here. And I think, I think it's, I think it's all, I think I can sort it if that's okay. If you, is that okay, Sharon? Yes, please go ahead. 
I, so, I think I know what you're about to say. Yeah, so Board Member Sanderson, it's 295 in our packet in the staff report. And it's also 295 on on sheet A0.1 as the proposed number of bike spaces. What's confusing, and this has confused others, this is the architect in me, the base project, when you mentioned AO2.C and that 304 number, that's just the base project number. So that's just the base project that's hypothetical proposed as part of the density bonus. All right. So I was so looking down on the three line table two below that. It says they're going to provide 271, and that's what the staff report says. So that's only on the property. Okay. Or in the building, I guess. And then there's going to right. be 24 in the public right of way. Right. Yep. Okay. Does that answer the question? Yes. Okay. Yeah. The zero, um, as um, board member Duffy was saying, the zero, uh, sorry, A0.2C is the base project and is not the final project that's being proposed. Okay. Any other questions? So then this, this oh, only oh, has base project compliance. It doesn't. On that sheet. Yes. Sheet. On that sheet. Okay. So those will be different numbers than the final project. All right, thank you. Holly. I have some questions. I'm not sure if this should be for staff or the developer. So should I just lay them out and? Yes, and staff will answer what they're capable of answering. And then when, when the, then you can also ask the developer. Okay. Um, so I just want to confirm a couple of things um, because I'm new to this. The um, bird safe glass uh, addition that we received tonight is a requirement for this project. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So that um, addresses one of my concerns and the all electric is fantastic. Um, a concern that um, my council member who appointed me and um, Commissioner Luna Para has had to do, and this was brought up, I believe, in the original hearing, had to do with delivery, not just during construction, but ongoing, that it not happen on Shattuck because of the traffic concerns. I don't know if that's in here anywhere. I did my best to read it, but it's a lot of information in a lot of different places. So is that something that staff can address or is that a question for the developer? I'm going to invite uh, a representative from RINCON to maybe help answer that question. Yeah, I can help with that. Um, so there, I need to look at the mitigation measures exactly, but there are mitigation measures from the original project final EIR uh, related to minimizing disruptions, overall disruptions in the um, circulation in the project vicinity, um, both related to um, transit pedestrian and bicycle connectivity. 
Uh, I will need to pull it up exactly, um, but at least I hope that helps. Um, and also another mitigation measure related to driveway safety, um, having to do with uh, uh, sight, sight lines, um, having pavement markings for stopping and for drivers exiting, um, as well as uh, convex mirrors to help uh, uh, drivers accessing the project driveway as well as pedestrians. Um, and also visual and audio warning devices for pedestrians. If I can just add the mitigation measures that Jesse is referring to um, are included in attachment one, exhibit B, page 12 of 17, uh, T5, commercial loading and management strategies, T5A and T5, T5B. So I'm sorry, can you just, this is in the staff report? That's correct. And Attach which page are we on? It's attachment one, exhibit B, page 12 of 17. So if you flip and look at the tables. Um, okay, attachment B, yes. And what page? 17? 12 of, of 17. Sorry. 12 of 17, got it. Mm -hmm. um, I see, okay. So... The, the measures T5A and T5B okay. direct uh, commercial loading and management strategies and passenger loading and management strategies. They outline the times of day, um, try to avoid peak hours. And if, um, for example, on page 12, if demand exceeds available space at the proposed commercial loading zone on the north side of Austin Way, or, well, I'm not going to read it all, but that's all. <laughs> I got in too deep there. Um, so those are the strategies that were included in the EIR that were approved for the original project. Thank you, Secretary Garcia. So it says recording instances of illegal stopping. Is there some... Um, you uh, you were talking about driveway safety and markings and signs. Is there a way that the people are directed to go to Alston rather than stopping on Shattuck? Sorry, the, the markings I was referring to were uh, more for pedestrian safety, not for commercial loading. My, my mistake. Uh, no, I think that's, that's fine. Um, so I, I guess what I'm seeing here is monitoring and recording, but not an action that indicates that there's communication with commercial um, loading and unloading and or people loading and unloading, that there's an entrance that's clear on Alston that's for that purpose, for people coming in and out of vehicles. Is there going to be anything, any action aside from recording problems? I believe those are included in T4 driveway safety measures. So it includes signage, visual and audio cues for pedestrians. Okay. All right, great. That answers that um, concern. Um, the other question 
that I had about community benefits, um, I saw a clarification that the community space is going to be not just for residents, but also the general public. Is that correct? It wasn't clear in the original handout, but I saw something recently in our discussion that said public community space. That's correct. It's okay. for the public. Um, the other two questions I have is, um, it seems that the most significant community benefit is the um, PLA. And I wondered if that has been approved by the trade unions and what that process is. Do, does that need to be approved before we approve this or the city approves it? Or what's what's that process? Um, project labor agreement, there is uh, a process that's spelled out uh, to come to an agreement. Um, it might be in the findings and conditions. I can I can find that language for you. Board Member Trigu. I might be able to answer that. Oh, okay. Um, so the council, uh, well, the council engages in negotiation on behalf of the city, um, sometimes working with staff, but ultimately, it does go to the city council for approval. So my understanding is when they said the POA was approved in 2022, if I read that correctly, that was a city council approved agreement. Okay, so the project does not proceed until that agreement is finalized between both the labor unions and the project managers. Um, I mm, my last questions have to do with uh, parking. So I see that there were supposed to be two car share spaces, and they were I think it was two, but at any rate, the the proposal was to eliminate them, and I was just curious about why, because that seems like a a nice benefit for people to encourage people not to own their own cars, but be able to, you know, take one of these gig cars or whatever. So that's an applicant question. So they'll be able to answer that. Okay, when they so we can wait present. on that. Yep. Um, they got a preview with question. Okay, I think my other parking question is for them as well. I think my last question for staff, and excuse me if this is redundant for folks who've been here a lot. Um, it says there's a fee for enhanced transit. I didn't know exactly what that meant. Is that the bus passes we're talking about? We're, we're um, that's on the front page of the staff report under zoning permits. It says use permit for reduction of parking spaces through payment of an in lieu fee to be used to provide enhanced transit services. I just didn't know what that meant. It's kind of like a tax they pay to the city, I think. And in, it's an in lieu fee. Anyone? That's what I think it is. Sharon, yeah. can you answer that question? Yeah, it's an in lieu fee. I don't, I can't tell you specifically what that, those uh, funds go towards. That would be a, a question for a transportation division, um, but it is an in lieu fee that they're paying instead of providing the requirement. I see. So it goes to the city to do something to promote transportation, public transportation. Correct. Okay. 
All right, thank you. That's, those are my questions for staff. I appreciate your response. Thank you, board member Schreider. Okay, so now we have the applicant presentation, five minutes. You're here in person. That's great. Welcome. We need to get the presentation. Get the presentation up for. You got a preview of board member Schreider's questions. So should you wish to address some of them, you're welcome to. Let's see. So um, I see you, you're Isaiah Stackhouse, right? So you are virtually here as well as as well as physically here. We got both. That's great. So we're going to promote you. Yep, we're figuring it out. Okay. Is that on? Okay. Yep, you're good. Um, but we don't see your presentation yet, your screen share yet. Yeah. Okay, do you see it now? Yep, we got you. Great, thank you. Thanks for your patience. Uh, so I'm Isaiah Stackhouse of Trachtenberg Architects. Uh, we have David in the audience here as well. Um, we have uh, the project sponsor, uh, Jared Monarchy of Landmark Properties. We also have uh, John Majewski of Majewski Architects, who's going to be taking the project through CDs, uh, and uh, our landscape architect, uh, Daniel Erlinson, online. Um, okay. With that, I'll turn it over to Jared for the start here. Thank you all. Appreciate your time reviewing this project tonight. Um, as, as they mentioned, my name is Jared Monarchy. Um, I'm a development manager with Landmark Properties, who is a, a leading developer of uh, multifamily residential housing, uh, specifically uh, excelling in university-focused housing across the country. So uh, I certainly know this project at 2190 Shattuck has been one in the news, been one on your minds, on the public's minds. Um, it, it's had a long history. Um, and uh, as this was mentioned by um, Planner Gong, uh, it was approved in 2019 by the Sperry Board. Um, so this project is an important one for Berkeley because not only does it allow us to have uh, housing at an elite transit location, but uh, it allows us to achieve multiple goals, um, not only solving part of the housing shortage, but uh, aiming to advance some of the climate crisis agenda items as well. Uh, so. While this project, uh, as I mentioned, was approved by Zadman City Council previously, we're back before you guys today uh, to, to seek a revision to that use permit, to modify the use permit, uh, to allow this building to really meet the market, uh, to meet something that can be leased by Berkeley, can be built in Berkeley. Um, so we've endeavored to ultimately uh, deliver a building to Berkeley uh, that you'll be proud to have in your downtown, you'll be proud to have next to BART. Um, by really you know, enhancing the community benefits that we have. So 
let me quickly run through uh, what's what's on the slides here. Um, this is really the main changes since that's the focus tonight as a modification to the use permit. Um, so obviously we've applied the state's revised density bonus law, as Sharon mentioned. Uh, we've been able to make a building that really gives the same benefits that pre previously provided, but you know, increasing their scale. Uh, so first, you know, we have the explicit community benefits package that's mentioned in the use permit, uh, a PLA with the Alameda County Council Trades Council, uh, the value of which has increased, you know, by four million dollars uh, as a result of the increased density here. Uh, we have the same uh, community room that's accessible to the public, leasable by public, uh, through the property management of the building, 677 square feet. Um, so, you know, the next point really emphasizing this iconic transit oriented location, obviously right next to the BART Plaza, that's exactly where we want to have housing. Um, but we've taken it a step further, modified other elements of the project to really emphasize the use of transit at this location, uh, reducing the number of parking spaces from 91 to 51, in, uh, increasing the amount of bike parking spaces from 99 to 295. Um, and then as was mentioned, you know, giving the use, uh, the transit passes to encourage the use of BART and future use of the bus um, and to encourage other transit programs in the city. Um, the other thing we did, if you look back at the original project plans, is we've expanded a very limited unit mix. Uh, the, the Really, the demographic appeal of the original approved project was very narrow. There were a lot of micro studios that were very small, one bedrooms that were very small, two bedrooms that didn't have very much flexibility at all. Uh, so we've expanded that unit mix to allow for studios through five bedroom units. Um, those, those studios ones and twos have a variety of sizes and floor plans, including some that you could potentially have a primary bedroom uh, for a, a couple, and then two kids living in another bedroom, you're fitting four people concisely into a two-bedroom unit. So um, introducing those three-bedroom through five-bedroom units uh, allows us to meet the market in terms of folks who want to reduce their individualized cost of living, um, whether that be through families that are larger, whether that be from students, whether that be from professors, other people in the university sphere or in the downtown Berkeley sphere, that gives an option that's really not seen much within Berkeley right now. Um, so introducing a diverse variety of backgrounds into downtown Berkeley in this building is part of aiming uh, Unimix to a wider audience. Um, and then finally, I think, you know, one of the most important changes to the building is the introduction of the on-site affordable. Uh, no longer does the, the project simply just pay a fee and move on. Uh, we've added 32 very low income units to the building as part of the density bonus program. So while this uh, project will still pay a large fee in lieu, uh, roughly 6.7 million, it will also be able to immediately house the, the folks needing those 32 very low income units upon completion. So um, it, it's obviously being able to have the best of both worlds is great uh, and something that we're really proud of being able to do with this project. So, um, and I, you know, I can't think of a better place to have affordable housing than next to, you know, affordable transit options like BART. So um, that, that really adds economic diversity, not only to this building, but to the downtown as well. So um, obviously, as, go ahead and switch to the next slide, Isaiah, um, just to kind of hit that again, you know, number of units changed from 274 to 326, the number of bedrooms from 341 up to 796. Uh, the car spaces, as I mentioned, went down from 91 to 51. Bike spaces up from 99 to 295, and then the PLA value from roughly five and a half million to nine and a half million. Uh, of course, capped off by the introduction of the 32 affordable units. So, um, the last change, which which isn't on the slide, but is worth mentioning, is that 
when we took over this project from the prior team, uh, we needed a building that Berkeley would be proud of, that would really feel Berkeley, look Berkeley, uh, and reflect folks with that. Um, so with that, I'll turn it over to, uh, to Isaiah that uh, Trachtenberg Architects. Great, thank you, Jared. And I'll, I'll try to run through and, this quite quickly. Oh, um, well, I'm sorry. So that, that, is, that is the five minutes that okay. you're given for your presentation. At this point, if staff, if board members have questions for you, sure, then we will ask you questions, okay. and you would be able to share with us the project. That that sounds Does great. Does that work? And that's fine. And you know, you do all have the drawings uh, as well already, so you've seen it. I'm happy to flip through it, but um, also happy to, as you suggested, um, answer questions and. Um, so we, we, uh, just to clarify, you prefer that we don't do the rest of the slideshow? Um, Board I, Member Matthews, if yeah, you could chime I, in. I, I would like to um, ask that we grant a little additional time so that we can have more insight into this project for the, for the community and also for the board, if that's possible. So great, we're gonna break some rules. We're gonna break some rules. <laughs> and that's a perfect question, board member Matthews. Can you show us the whole slide presentation? <laughs> okay. Perfect, that's actually, we didn't break any rules. We we will, uh, I'll, I'll try to go quickly. Okay, thank you. Okay. You know so, the rules. Uh, Chair, Chair Duffy, if we can, if we can limit it to one minute or, or nine o'clock, seven minutes at the most, only because we do need to take a five minute captioner break. Got it. We'll take our five-minute captioning break at nine o'clock. Or ten minutes. Minute. So we'll, yes. Okay. Ten-minute captioning break will happen at nine o'clock. Go fast. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay. You're good. So again, you know, fantastic location, uh, heart of downtown, twenty feet from BART, walk to campus, uh, easy walking distance everywhere. Uh, here's a site plan: um, Shattuck and Alston. Uh, there are uh, just to answer a previous question. Th th there are existing um, loading zones for the retail that will uh, remain. And then we're proposing a uh, loading zone on the curb here in front of the residential entrance as well. So at the ground level here, there are three retail suites. There is the, the main uh, lobby and, um, and offices here. Uh, there, there's a, a gym and mail room at the back. And then this is a community room that's open to the public as a benefit. Uh, uh, trash here with its curb cut and a, 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 a garage ramp down to the basement parking, which again has, thank you, 51 spaces uh, and uh, uh, for cars and 271 uh, for, for bikes. Moving up to the second floor, um, the, the first floor of units and there's a, a study lounge here. Moving up further at uh, levels three through six, there's a full range of units uh, types from studios to five bedroom units. These are all uh, high quality units with uh, generous furnishable bedrooms and living rooms. And again, the project will have 32 VLI units. Uh, these will be spread across uh, the full range of unit types and spread throughout the full building. Um, let me see, uh, typical upper levels, uh, the building starts to step back and some of these uh, uh, balconies here uh, kind of align with lower balconies to sculpt the building we'll see in the renderings. Up at level 23, there's a, a 4,000 square foot uh, lounge. And then up on the roof, um, there are uh, frame elements that we'll see on the facade that uh, provide cover and really a range of seating areas, uh, covered areas, uh, terraced areas, barbecue, 
uh, play areas, um, electric grills, uh, gaming areas, uh, lots of planting areas, a spa, and finally a pet area. Um, uh, um, going um, the, down to the ground level landscape, uh, we are extending the, uh, we worked with DRC uh, to extend the, the, the paving and landscaping um, uh, along Alston as well to really expand the existing BART Plaza. The BART Plaza will remain in place uh, as it went through a long process and is already uh, very well designed. Uh, plant palette, the drought tolerant, non-invasive, primarily native plants and trees. Uh, it's a very green building. It's all electric. It'll be lead gold equivalent. It has on-site solar, EV charging, uh, roof garden, uh, non-invasive drought tolerant plant species, low flow irrigation, uh, limited vehicle parking, abundant bike parking, low emissions glass, on-site on stormwater, and it's a walker's paradise. Uh, we worked with DRC both in December and February to create a simpler, more elegant design, uh, refined contextual palette. We refined uh, the integration of frame elements, uh, simplified balconies, uh, removed corner glazing to add solidity. We simplified these horizontal bands. We added a, a lantern to the top. We simplified the window pattern to emphasize the architectural pattern. We added articulation and refinement to the ground level, and uh, we added more solar to the rooftop. And we added more bird safety measures, including uh, primarily now punched openings. Uh, we removed the corner glazing. We added um, screens uh, for Juliet balconies. Uh, and um, finally, uh, committed to bird safe glazing at the lanterns and railings. Uh, we're proposing a warm, earthy, two-tone palette that's harmonious with the context. Um, it's a design that's sculpted in plan and section uh, with uh, these recessed balconies um, creating both the vertical elements and a base element that acknowledges the adjacent buildings. Uh, up at the top, the sculpture creates a, a real profile against the sky and highlights the, the life at the roof deck. And down at the ground, it uh, uh, adds emphasis to the carefully crafted base uh, at the active pedestrian streetscapes. There's a view looking south on Shattuck, uh, looking uh, uh, from Alston, looking east in the morning, midday, and evening. Uh, before and after views of Alston and Shattuck. Uh, our, our goal is to create a high quality building with a careful detailing that will stand the test of time. Um, here's a closer view of the base of the building at the street level where the building is really experienced most. I'll just go through these next slides quite quickly. You're, you're doing fine, thank you. Okay, this here's a street level view looking north along Shattuck towards the BART Plaza. Uh, a view looking south along Shattuck, again, uh, on the left, uh, new retail on the right. A view looking down Alston, uh, where we're extending the, the, the uh, paving from the plaza and landscaping. Um, retail entry along Alston, head on shot of that. Uh, a main lobby entrance view here in Alston. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the entrance to the community room here. Uh, and finally, last slide here, uh, afternoon view along Alston. Uh, we can see the, the, the papers, uh, landscaping, the, the three-dimensional uh, richness of the canopies, uh, articulated facade uh, that opens up and engages with the street. So thank you. That concludes uh, my sped up uh, talking. I hope, hope everyone could understand. Uh, and uh, if there's time, I could also answer that car share question, or we could hold that till later.
If you we could hold it, that'd be great. We have a mandated okay. nine o'clock captioners break. Sounds good. You hit the dot. We're like what ten seconds away or so. My apologies for for the hiccup there. Well, thank when, you for your flexibility. When Secretary Updegrave says "time's up," I'm like "time's up." Thank you. So uh, after our ten minute break, we'll come back. Any questions that the board has for you, we'll uh, please be prepared. Sounds good. Thank, thank you. you. He made it. Thanks for the extra time. Thank you,
Okay, it is nine ten. It is nine. It is nine eleven. So we are going to get started. If you could grab a seat, please.
All right, so welcome, welcome back. Uh, the public hearing is still open. And now this is the period when board members, if they have any questions for the applicant team, this is your, this is a chance of yours before we get into the public comment period. Feel free to ask away if you've got any. Go ahead, Kim Gaffney. All right, hi, thank you for your presentation. Um, my question was a follow up from my one for staff. Um, are you uh, are you interested or amenable to adding more than um, one transit pass per unit um, for, uh, yeah, per unit? That's something. I'll let Jared handle that one. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, we we certainly obviously need to explore the cost of that and understand the implication. Um, I, we certainly think that your your suggestion makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, there's different sizes of units in this mix, mm -hmm. so um, that's something that we'll certainly look into uh, and kind of get a factor of. Obviously, we want to be cautious, uh, just girding the EPS community benefits package analysis and the purity of the city did of not tipping over to the brink of infeasibility. But mm -hmm. we we hear your uh, point, and thank you for that. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I'll talk to my fellow commissioners after. Thanks so much. Board Member Tregu. Well, this is a follow-up. Is this something that you might be able to let us know by the end of the night? <laughs> when, when I get off the stand, I can look it up. <laughs> Any other questions from the board? Board Member Matthews. Well, I, I'm always going to be one to... Um, push for more affordability. And I see, I'm really happy that you're doing, what is it, 32 units of very low income? If there's any way that there can be additional units of low income, it I, I know you're meeting the requirements, um, you're building them on site, but um, in many years of sitting on this board, we have often asked developers to go above and beyond so I will be the voice that says, let's go above and beyond if we can. I would appreciate any, anything that you can do more to serve the community. Thank you. Thank you. Board Member Scheider. Yes. yes. Remember to press the button. Um, I just want to concur with Board Member Matthews, yes. that right? Um, what she said about increasing affordability, especially um the sort of what they call the missing middle so not just the very low income but the lower income so i just wanted to support that um my question which you've already heard is about the car share spaces just curious why you eliminated them. yeah it, it's a great question and it, it comes down to a couple of practical issues um because uh, 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 certainly we also went into this uh intending to do car share but so a couple of the practical issues. One, um, the applicant team, we approached uh, eight different operators and were told decisively from all eight that they have no interest whatsoever in going down into the basement of a building. I see. Um, that they don't want, it's a security issue for them to have, uh, and the car share has to be open to, to members of the public. But so them going down into the building elevators and, and stairwells to access cars does not work for them. So at that point, we, we gave up, really. Um, uh, so th th that is a reason. Um, and, and I think also, you know, uh, Berkeley is so transit rich already that they probably have lots of great outdoor locations. There's a, a very big garage 
just to the, uh, uh, I think it's four or five, even six stories, maybe just to the West. That That is the ideal location. That's probably where they all are. Okay. That makes, that makes sense to me. Um, another question that I have, um, I was wondering what your um, plan is for helping residents to do recycling. Yes. In other words, are you expecting residents to sort their own recycling um, or is it going to go into some big, big composite? I Not only am I substituting tonight, but I served in my first meeting and the capacity of the Zero Waste Commission on Tuesday. And it came up and I can't remember exactly, maybe someone else knows what's preferable, but I my memory is that um, it's preferable from a zero waste perspective to have people sort it in their apartments. And sometimes these large buildings don't facilitate that because of the way they process recycling. So I just wanted to hear from you what your plan was around that. Yeah, well, I mean, architecturally, it is set up to meet the city standards with four okay. stream waste. Um, and I, I think uh, operational uh, operationally, that, that's probably kind of details that will get figured out um, okay. uh, the further in the process, but it is, it, it fully meets the, the four stream requirements uh, with space requirements. And that's all been reviewed with, uh, with, uh, with the city already. So four stream being well, there's, compost. Um, there's compost, um, uh, what, bottles and cans, paper, paper, and then waste. Okay, great. Um, I think that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? If not, then thank you, Isaiah. Okay. And I, I appreciate it. And now we'll move to the public comment period. We've got four green cards. Um, so let's do that. We've got first will be Aaron, then Nicholas, then Paul, then Kelly. Isaiah, your video is still sharing. If you could stop share, that'd be great. Thank you. Okay. I have an assignment. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Aaron, thank you. Welcome. You've got two minutes. Welcome. Good evening, Zab. My name is Aaron Dean. Thank you for taking my comment. I'm here tonight to ask you to stand up for birds and to require that the entire building is has bird-safe glass on it for all 25 stories and not just the first 12 meters. San Francisco Bay Area is a global biodiversity hotspot, and this includes Berkeley. We are on the Pacific Flyway. Billions of birds fly through the Bay Area every year from Alaska to South America, and some will come down into Berkeley to rest and feed. Birds are experiencing dangerous declines. Since 1970, we've lost almost one third of all birds in North America. That's three billion fewer birds, and there are several threats. Collisions with window glass is the number two killer. 
One billion birds die every year after colliding with window glass. That's 10% of all birds. And why is that? Because birds cannot recognize glass as a solid object. They see the reflection of the sky or trees. They think it's real and they fly into the glass. They hit the glass at 20 to 30 miles per hour. Most are fatally wounded and died. And surprisingly, the CEQA document doesn't say anything about this. Exhibit A says the building doesn't pose a significant threat to birds. You can find that statement in section 3.3, the biological resources on page 79 in your packet. I disagree and want to share relevant information with you. The first is from, this is a map from iNaturalist. This is a citizen science application where people all around the world log their observations of the natural world. And I have filtered it on uh, birds. This shows there are 207 species of birds that have been documented in the city of Berkeley. And you'll notice they're everywhere in the city. I also looked at eBird. eBird is the gold standard used around the world for tracking birds. And I focused on three sites in Berkeley. I focused on Strawberry Creek Park. This is um, Oholoni Park and the Cal campus. And what you will see is there are 79 species of birds in Strawberry Creek Park, 96 species of birds in Ohlone, and 91 species on campus. And what you'll notice is the birds fly between these spaces. It's connectivity. That's how birds move through space. Your time is up. Can I please, can I have another minute, please? Please. Igor has a question. I have two questions. Um, my first question is, could you please finish whatever you wanted to uh, finish? Um, my second question is actually, I think, if I understand correctly, New York is the gold standard for bird safe ordinances. Can you please describe what New York requires for buildings? Yes, uh, New York City is zero to 100 feet. And Washington DC just passed, uh, uh, it's supposed to be the new gold standard, and I honestly have not looked at it yet, so I don't know what their height requirements are for it. In this building, I want to say the top is really the top two floors, what I think they're calling the lantern, are, seem to me to be very dangerous. I think they are going to put the bird safe on the, maybe the top one, but I don't know if it's going to be on the next story down. But I want to—I just want to say, see this red X? This is where the building is located. The thing is, birds fly through space. You can't tell them not to fly there. So I don't know why this is not included in the CEQA document. So um, I'm asking you again to require bird safe glass on the entire building, and it should meet the two inch by four inch rule. And every window is a threat. The exterior lighting, I ask that it all be shielded. I see actually on page A3.9, that there is canister lighting that has light going up and light going down. I ask that that be changed to require only fully shielded light. And the last thing is I just wanna show you what you will be protecting. And that's what these are about. So these you've got you've got 20 seconds. That I have a photograph from my kitchen window. I live eight streets, eight streets from the project. And this is from my kitchen window. And some of these are resident birds. Some of these are migratory birds. Some of them are threatened species. And in fact, the one that's called the white-tailed kite, 
This is the California Fish and Wildlife list of fully protected. Aaron, thank you. Thank you for your public comment, Aaron. Thank you. I, I really appreciate your work. And if you could keep it to two minutes next time, that'd be great. I also noticed that Kelly Hammergren is also on the speaker's list here for this item. Um, so, and, and she is fourth. Next we have, next we have Nicholas Nagel. Hi. Thanks, everyone. I uh, appreciate you all taking the time. I'm Nico Nagel speaking on behalf of the Housing Action Coalition. Um, speaking in support of the projects, um, uh, urging you to, to move the project forward with staff's recommendation. Um, just very quickly, I think some things that have largely already been said. Um, we put together a, a quick letter writing campaign, and so far we've had 48 letter writers sign on to this. Um, the project is ideal for a whole bunch of reasons. Number one is location, location, location. Um, this is the ideal place to be building not just the housing that we need due to our housing shortage, but the housing that we need to be building to meet our shared climate goals. Surely the greatest environmental feature about this building is that it sits on top of a BART station. Um, we are the folks who would say a building of this kind, ideally, there's no need for parking. However, I understand the realities of the market. That's, uh, we don't all get exactly what we want. Um, there's certainly downtown walkability. It's right in the middle of uh, you know, the downtown of Berkeley. I would suspect everyone here sees that as a great thing. Um, and actually, I'll finish up my time just saying, reinforcing, you know, we are in the middle of a housing shortage. No one project can solve this problem for everyone. Uh, for the entire region or for the entire state, but taking advantage of project sites like these to be building that housing that we need, especially in those diverse unit types, is essential. And we need to be doing it urgently. And so that, I urge you to move forward tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. We have Paul and then Kelly. Hello, thank you for taking my my comments. My name is Paul Chasen. Um, this is actually my first Berkeley housing or zoning zoning board meeting, but I've spent a lot of my professional life sitting in rooms like this one, you know. And I just want to say, I I I hear us, and the, the more I spend time in these kinds of meetings, although I've bought into this whole rubric of planning and this whole process. I got to confess, I've sort of got this existential crisis, this professional existential crisis, because as a renter here, it is so, so challenging to find housing. And we sit in these meetings and it feels like we're like sitting here dithering about the petunias and Rome is burning. You know, the, you only have to go down Shattuck to see the homeless encampments and to get, see firsthand the desperate, desperate need for housing that Berkeley needs. Um, I have a, we have two kids. It's very hard. There's very little family friendly housing. I urge you to support this building. This is a very reasonable and well thought out building. And um, the fact that they're building family friendly units, the fact that um, they're giving all these community benefits, um, and the fact that there's a ton of housing going on top of the BART station with very little parking is are all win wins for the city. So thank you very much. And I'll just conclude my comments there. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Great to see new faces, always. 
Okay, Kelly. Okay, are... so you've heard Aaron do the presentation and do the pictures. Do you realize that you asked more of the first project than you're asking of this project? We asked for bird safe features, and that's a four-story building. And this building, and that's that's four stories. So that's more than than um, 36 feet. So this building, which is a huge hazard from the ground up, you, we need to have 100% bird safe glass all the way around. The Planning Commission passed 100% bird safe glass on buildings like this from zero to 100 feet. And if we're going to talk about a significant community benefit, I think that I feel like a room is an insult and that this building should have bird safe glass all the way to the top because you can't tell the birds they're not supposed to fly over 100 feet. And now we have now we're going to have these big tall buildings. I'd like to counter a few other things that were said in this presentation to make it sound like you all got a great big favor, but we all know, I mean, you've been on ZAB, you know that to get the density bonus, you do the minimum number of affordable units is 10% very low income. So this is not any big giveaway, that's to get those extra seven floors. So if we're gonna do something for the community, then let's have that next 10%, which is supposed to be low income, to be actually in the building instead of the in-lieu fee. And if you attended city council recently, then you know that that in-lieu fee was discounted back to the 2020 rate. So they are actually getting a discounted in-lieu fee. Kelly, uh, we're losing a lot up. with this building. We're losing the view of the Campanile. We all know that. And we really should be getting something more. And it's a shame that we have a new owner because the other owner actually did. That was when I talked about ESG. That was the previous owner, not the current owner. Kelly, and this time, owner, I'm almost up. done. I have one more thing. This owner lists Stonefire. And if you walk by Stonefire, I don't know if they fixed those planters lately, but we sat, we walked through that neighborhood with dead plants in that in those planters for years. And so Kelly, let's, uh, let's let's ask something more. We shouldn't be begging, and they should be offering. They should be offering to the community for a significant benefit not us begging for them to do something. We have five speakers from that. That is the end of the in-person public comment. We have five hands raised I see online. So we'll have two minutes each. I see six hands raised online now. We'll begin with the order that they were raised, Sarah B. Uh, hi, can you hear me? Um, can you hear me? Yep. Oh, perfect. Uh, hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm a resident of North Berkeley. And um, I just want to say that Berkeley is changing. Our economy is growing. Traffic is growing. The number of students that California public universities need to educate is growing. 
And in accordance, our housing crisis is growing. And the world is changing around us too. The number of jobs in the Bay Area is growing. Our greenhouse gases are growing. Commute into our region is growing. And the number of forest fires that we can expect in any year is growing. And so Berkeley's downtown needs to grow in accordance. Um, and um, uh, we need to create more homes, um, which our housing element and downtown plan both recognize. For the sake of us all, we should do it in a way that minimizes the use of cars. And so putting 25 stories of housing a block away from downtown Berkeley BART is the perfect place to do it and the perfect way to do it. Um, it's not going to solve the whole crisis on its own, but we need every single one of these houses. Um, and what's more, it's our obligation to do so, given the huge public investment that went into building the BART system. Um, we need to share it and we need to make it as accessible to people as possible. Residents of this building will tread lighter on our roads and on our planet than residents in nearly any other part of the city, let alone in any other part of our state or our country. So we need the proposed housing project here at 2190 Shattuck. We need every single one of those units, those 300 some units um, that it's slated to provide. And we need it yesterday. So please move this project forward with urgency. Thank you. Thank you. Next we have Theo, then Anthony, then Bay. Theo, you've got two minutes. Uh, hello, uh, board members. Uh, thank you for taking the time to hear our comments and for your deliberations on uh, this uh, housing project. Uh, I'm calling to speak in support of the project. Um, I think we we get lost sometimes in a lot of the technical matters that y'all are you know very capable of, of evaluating uh, height limits, uh, percentages, uh, you know density bonuses, all that. But I think I want to spend my time talking about. Uh, you know, the roughly 300 units of housing and what that means, not for necessarily views and all that, but really what it means for the most, for people most impacted by it, which is the people are going to get to live there. Um, this is opening the doors of Berkeley to 300 more families. Uh, how many people are going to live and work in our city and add to our city by living in this, uh, in, in, in this housing? Uh, who's going to fall in love? Who's going to create families? Who's going to create art? Uh, in this uh, building. So, um, you know, I think uh, we can get lost in, I think a previous uh, caller called the uh, the petunias, uh, but we can get lost and, and lose sight of what we're really doing here. Uh, when we talk about what is the developer building for us, what is the community benefit? The community benefit is that we can have more neighbors. Um, we can have people living in our city, contribute to our city and not driving in from, you know, the Central Valley uh, to get to work or, um, you know, not able to go to school. You know, if we think about the values of Berkeley, that we're uh, climate first, we're progressive, that we believe in human rights, and then we look at our city and we see the number of people living in tents, we see students living in cars when they should be in school, we're not meeting those values. Uh, so we need to put front and center the fact that we're in a housing crisis and that these units are going to add uh, a significant amount of housing to our city that we desperately need. Um, I totally agree that we need to be maximizing and trying to get um, the most amount of uh, low-income housing. I think we shouldn't be focused on the percentage of that. We should focus on the number of units. And by going higher, we get more units. So let's make that happen. Thank you, Theo. Next, we have uh, Sarah B. had already raised her hand. Sarah B. already spoke, I believe. Is that right? That Yeah. So Anthony, you're next. Hello, thank you for the opportunity to comment. 
I am a District 7 renter um, living on Southside. I am in support of this project and hope that the Zoning Adjustment Board will vote to approve it as is tonight. This has already been up in front of the Design Review Board twice. We approved three super high-rise downtown buildings more than 10 years ago in 2012. I voted on that plan. And we've only built one, the hotel. We need to build housing. We need these 300 units of affordable housing. This proposal is even better than the previous one that came before us. It has more units. It has more affordable units on site. It's still contributing $6 million to the city's affordable housing fund. And it has the potential to be built. The other one didn't pencil. I'd like to see this move forward without further delay so that we can build in a climate safe place right on top of downtown Berkeley Bart with half the number of parking units as the previous project. It's a no brainer. Please move this forward now. Thank you. Next we have Bay. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Great, thank you so much for letting me speak. Um, I actually am calling for a pause before this project is um, moved forward. And for two very critical reasons. One is that this building will last a very, very long time and it's gonna have a huge aesthetic impact on downtown Berkeley. Um, and I really think it needs some aesthetic improvements. The percentage that has been spent on the facade needs to be increased. It's, it's too small a percentage of the budget. It, it's very clear. Uh, from what uh, the, the lack of detailing on the facade. Also, the coloring is going to be very dark. And for such a tall building, we really need to go lighter. I, I really think the aesthetics are a mismatch right now. I think Trachtenberg needs to go back and really rework the facade. If you're going to be building this tall, the aesthetic requirements should be very, very high. We should make John King, who lives in our community, proud of this building. This building right now is not going to get a good review from the Chronicle and John King. Second of all, I'm really very despondent about the fact that there are no shadow studies that I could find um, on this building. There's nothing showing the context of the building in downtown or what else is being built there. And so I feel that everybody feels like this building has to do the heavy loading for all the housing that needs to be developed instead of realizing that the, the lift in terms of increasing the number of housing units can be accomplished over a number of different buildings over the next number of years. It doesn't all have to be done by this building. And as a result, we're getting a very tall building, which I feel is honestly too tall for downtown, creating huge shadows that really haven't been explored. And we're gonna end up with the Manhattanization of downtown Berkeley with you know wind tunnels and the rest of it. It's gonna be very unpleasant. And the last quick comment I wanna make is, these units are not going to be affordable. If anybody goes to any of the new places that have been built in Berkeley and actually tries to find out if they could get a lease, they'll discover they probably can't. The requirements are incredibly high for income. They're incredibly high for deposits. I really do feel that the city needs to work with these developers to at least reduce the deposit requirements because that makes moving into a new place, even if you can imagine that you can support, you can afford the, the monthly rent, the deposits Thank can make it impossible. Thank I you. hope you'll take a look at that. Thank you for your time. Next, we have Vetri and then Becky. Hello, Vetri, are you there? 
No Vetri there. I know it's tricky from a phone sometimes. And you never really know who's next. You're always like, am I next? Are they going to call on me? Vetri and then Becky. Are you out there? Vetri, if you're not there, then you've got five seconds. All right, Becky, you're next. Uh, first, I'd like to thank the people who came in person to speak with the display. That's a great contribution. I'm very sad to hear how little consideration the birds are getting. I don't know who will speak for the birds if we don't. If we don't do something about these glass canyons that we're creating, we're going to lose a lot of species of birds and the people will be next. I think that. Um, we're creating, well, they used to say about San Francisco that it was the cool gray city of love. I think we're creating in Berkeley the cold, dark city of greed. There's nothing really to recommend these buildings except that they make a lot of money for some people who will leave town with their satchels full of money, leaving really sleazy looking buildings of the kind we've already, we've already got plenty of sleazy buildings. Downtown is already getting darker and darker. And then they wonder why people want to move to the suburbs. We are just contributing to urban sprawl by making our pleasant cities unlivable. There's no reason that we need to do that. And this particular building will in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, um, it will be the slum of the future. And I don't know what we're going to do when BART fails. I don't know whether anybody looked at today's Chronicle. BART is in serious financial trouble. And when BART closes down, what are we going to do with all these buildings where people don't have cars? Because um, the BART model isn't working. It was a bad model. And it's clearly collapsing, as you can tell by reading five or six articles I've seen recently, particularly in the business section of the New York Times. There was a very good article about how Transit is not working the way people thought it would. You build all these buildings without parking and you're going to have uh, quite a bit of trouble, I would think. Thank you for your comment, Becky. That closes the public hearing. And the applicant has an opportunity, has two minutes to address any comments or questions that were brought up by the public or by the board. This is a moment if you if you wish, it's your option. Uh, you have two minutes to to address anything you've heard. Thank you all. Um, appreciate the public comments, certainly. Uh, I did want to address the the bird safe class just to clear up the um, what's on the record. Um, I, I, I understand you guys put up a, a slide of a condition or something based on an EIR. You know, we fully intend to comply with the EIR, obviously, when it comes to bird safe glass. Um, you know, as a result of the DRC and public feedback, we've we've put that bird safe glass on the lanterns. Um, we'll, we'll be happy to look at the lighting to make sure it complies with the bird safe measures at the EIR. We have plenty of bird safe regulations as it relates to, you know, using primarily punched openings, limiting the amount of glazing on the facade. So. Um, we, we understand your concern. We thank you for coming out. Um, just wanted to make sure that was that was said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Igor has a uh, 
board member Tregu has a question for you while, while you're up, if that's okay. Uh, thank you. So I did, um, well, I think both um, the vice chair and I gave you a sneak preview of what we were going to ask you. So have you reached a consensus about how many transit passes you can do per unit? Yeah, yeah. I would have been happy to respond. I didn't realize it was, you know, public versus board, of course. Um, yeah, after talking with the team, we were able to look it up and we'd be able to provide an extra pass for those three bedroom, four bedroom, five bedroom units where we're more likely to have, you know, more people, obviously. Okay. And then um, I did want to probe a little bit more and, you know, we can't require this um, because it's not a... It's not a city regulation, but the the planning commission did unanimously approve um, something that is going to the council that I, I believe says first a hundred feet uh, of a building be made uh, part safe. Um, and uh, just curious, I appreciate your uh, willingness to comply with um, yes, the minimum requirements of the EIR, um, but um, this is a landmark project. Um, how far are you willing to go? I stand by what I said earlier. Thank you. Okay. Um, that closes the public comment period. Now we will discuss amongst the board. Anyone want to just start? Um, I actually have a question for staff. Is that still possible? Soon? Um, I guess my question for staff then is we're still in the same bird safe class. Um, I guess I'm curious uh, for the um, EIR um, why it's saying that the birds are, uh, there will be no non detrimental birds um, if uh, that's going against what in direct conflict of what it seems like at least experts have said. And I'm just curious, yeah, what kind of staff or the Seagull consultant can say how they determine that it's non-detrimental when obviously we've sat here and heard from a lot of experts over and over again that it certainly will be detrimental. And um, I think that's an important thing to kind of clear up with how we got here. Um, so yeah, that's my question. I, I can I can speak to that. Um, this is Sharon Gall, the planner. Um, yeah, the the CEQA, uh findings uh, state that um, the with the mitigations that are um, in the uh, environmental checklist, which uh, are the conditions that I showed you in that slide earlier, that the design would be uh, that would reduce the uh, the impact to birds to less than significant, but with the addition of those conditions. All right, I'm curious then if any of my other fellow commissioners have any other comment on that, but I'll leave it to that for now. Thank you. My comment is that I, I'm sure there are a variety of experts and I'm actually 100% sure that they don't all agree. <laughs> <laughs> any other discussion points? Council Member Matthews. Yeah, while we're on the bird discussion, we had three points that were identified for um, the safety of birds. One was in Alani Park, another one was in North Berkeley, and then one was near the campus area. And I, I just really need to say 
that we got plenty of birds in South Berkeley mm. that, <laughs> that need to be identified and acknowledged here and the community of people. Um, we have many um, variations of birds and beautiful gardens. And just to know that um, our, this affects, affects our entire city and that we want to be inclusive when we do our presentations and not omit any one community from your studies. Um, so it's important that that be said. Thank you very much. Thank you. Board Member Scheider. Hi, I actually have um, an additional question for staff and then I wanted to also address the birds. Um, my understanding is that when the council discussed this project back in, was it 2019, that there was uh, an agreement, I think, that the folks moving into these buildings would not be eligible for residential parking permits since there aren't enough spaces clearly for people to have cars. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. Um, in terms of the bird safe, um, I quickly read this condition and I now am aware that it's limited and I fully support the um, augmentation of the bird safe requirements to include the maximum. And I'm struck by the fact that council is probably gonna take this up and pass it pretty soon. So timing is everything. So if we approve this tonight, it could go forward without that requirement. If we delay, I don't know what that means exactly, then the city council might in fact make this a requirement. So I would like to see that the architects and developer consider in good faith meeting the requirements of what the city is likely to pass in the next month or so. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that was a outlandish suggestion. <laughs> I'm new to this board. No. Okay. No. This is this is our open discussion period. This is this is where we get to discuss or make motions. Board Member Trago. Oh. The public comment period is closed. But um, but if you want to correct it, that would be great. I guess it's open now. Good evening, board. I'm uh, Robin Burrell with Hanson Bridget, attorneys for the applicant. Um, I just wanted to remind the board that this is an SB 330 project along with a density bonus project. So um, there was a preliminary application that was filed in, I believe, February of 2022. Um, and so under SB 330, when a preliminary application is filed, the ordinances and policies of the city that are in effect at that time uh, are the applicable ordinances and policies that will apply to the project. Um, so the applicant has voluntarily offered to impose additional uh, measures to improve bird safety, but um, those have been volunteered by the applicant in addition to what was in effect when the preliminary application was filed. So thank you. Thank you very much. Board Member Trago. Okay. Uh, so 
I remember in 2016, I think, uh, I think Shoshana and I were here, maybe. Um, Debbie, you may have been, and yes, Deborah, you were here. Debbie, I think you were here in a different capacity, perhaps, no. <laughs> um, it's, and I remember we had a debate about a different Tau project, which was poised to be the landmark project at that time. And that debate went on. I think the hearing lasted till two in the morning. Um, so a lot has changed since then. And I have to say, um, you know, state law has evolved for one. I think, um, speaking for myself, um, my positions on the matter have evolved as well. I think the most important aspect of what, uh, you know, and is really the most important obligation of any jurisdiction is to allow for the production of housing of different types that folks in different socioeconomic uh, conditions that they may face uh, are able to afford, are able to live in. Um, so I want to commend uh, the applicants, first of all, the applicant team. Uh, no project is going to be perfect, of course. Um, and I think there, yeah, we heard today, there are many different uh, opinions about um, what could be done to make the project uh, perhaps different. Um, all legitimate. These are our neighbors. Um, I will say that, um, you know, I wasn't here for the 2019 um, meeting or 2018 meeting when the original project was approved. But I think even compared to that, um, some just based on things that the council has done since then, including Councilmember Harrison, who introduced the first building electrification ordinance in the nation. Um, and the fact that this, whether it is required to, or if this is something that is uh, being done out of the goodness of the applicant's heart, it doesn't matter, um, maybe a combination of both. Um, this is an all electric building. I believe that the fact that there is a POA that is twice the sum that was offered in the original project is significant as well. It's incredibly difficult to put together financing um, to accommodate a project labor agreement. This will ensure that those who are working on a project like this, that the project will be, not be built on their backs that they will have an opportunity um, to have, um, to sustain uh, or to transition into a middle-class career that would give them the opportunity to maybe, uh, if they choose to, uh, be able to live in a project like this or nearby 
as opposed to having to live in the suburbs and drive till they qualify. Um, so, and that's just, um, I wanted to call in two aspects. There are others where I think this project has come a long way since the one that was entitled four years ago. Um, if there is one pushback, um, actually that's not the right term, um, it's going to be a challenge. Um, it is up to the applicant should you choose to accept it. But I think um, this will be something that will be appreciated, certainly by me, perhaps some of the Berkeleyans you've heard about. Um, if there is an opportunity to do something uh, for birds consistent with what New York has been requiring, which is the first 100 feet. Yeah, we, we can't require that. Um, and even if the council were to act on something, um, it would be prospective, not retroactive to when a permit is filed. Um, I'm not here to debate legalese. Um, it is up to the applicant. It is, yeah, I know you have to look at financing. I do understand that. If there is an opportunity to do this, I think um, this is something that will be appreciated by the Berkeley community for decades to come. And you would have an opportunity to become uh, the most art safe building in Berkeley, perhaps the first truly board safe building in Berkeley, but I imagine certainly not the last. Um, I'm going to make a motion that we <laughs> that we approve this project um, with the modification of uh, two transit passes for unit for units uh, that have three, three or, more. or more bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever other, maybe staff can just remind me, were there any other, oh yeah, the, of course, the board safety condition, condition mm -hmm. 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, include board safety measures as conditions of approval, um, reflect them in the conditions of approval because they're already required. Um, consider increasing transit passes um, for the three, four and five bedroom units and with a recommendation that the bird safety measures be applied to the first 100 feet. Is that correct? That was going to be my motion. So thank you so much for reading my mind. <laughs> Shoshana. Um, yeah, I'll second the motion. Um, and I just wanna say about regarding the bird safe glass, Igor's challenge to you. Um, there's no beloved figure, there's no more beloved figure in Berkeley right now than Annie and Lou, the peregrine falcons. People are obsessed with them. And if one of those birds flies into your building and is harmed, you will be the villains. <laughs> I mean it. I mean, like, really think about it. Like, you could protect our most beloved birds and a lot of other birds, too. And I second the motion. We have a motion. We have we have a second. Now we can discuss the motion. 
Board Member Sanderson. Um, I love birds as much as anyone, um, maybe more. But I also love thoughtfully designed and built housing. And I am not comfortable at this point recommending that they meet the recommendations of whatever the planning commission has sent to the council. And I'll, I'll tell you why, is, is that every little thing we require or we encourage them to do is another added cost. And I don't mean that in a crass way, but I have, and I, Kelly's going to jump down me on this. <laughs> I have yet to see the analysis that shows me that what kinds of buildings are, how many, what are we talking about here? Is there, there's no cost benefit analysis. And I do believe that if we're going to impose a requirement or strongly encourage them or publicly, you know, um, shame them, which we've not done, but we need, we need more information about what kinds of buildings, how much glass, you know, um, the, the recommendations that I had in 2013 must have gone out the window because I'm not hearing anybody say them now. So, you know, it's probably as much my fault as any is that I have not done the research into this. And I'm, I'm assuming that our environmental consultants have. Um, so I think encouraging them to do more and they, um, Many things about this building do make it safer for birds. So I just want to trust their, not trust, I want to embrace their um, efforts that you can tell they've gone into already and uh, work with them in the city to make the building less a problem for, for birds. But I don't think we have enough knowledge of what the impact is on everything else. You know, every little thing we add to housing is good in and of itself. But after you do that for 20 years, you add a lot of cost to housing. And it's not that the requirements don't feel good or may be good, but not everything we think about can be required of, a, of an applicant and a building without continuing to raise the cost of housing. So there are trade-offs and there will be trade-offs as they look at ways to make the building more safe for birds. Um, but I can't in good conscience recommend that they follow what the planning commission created because I don't even know what that is. I mean, people have, but people- You cannot, I'm sorry, you cannot speak. So let me just add that I've heard of one element in it, but I don't know what else is in it. And I, I don't feel comfortable asking a, an applicant to, to meet that when I don't even know what's in it other than that one item. So anyway, I'm, you know, I will support this project, um, but I just wanted to express my discomfort with recommending them to do something 
that I don't know what it means. I don't know what the impact is on, on everything else. And I think we have to look at the whole. So thank you. Thank you. If, would you, is there a motion, is there an alternate motion attached or, or no, or? No, I, I, um, just continue. I, I'm, okay. I would, I would like a substitute motion that didn't, that encouraged them. Hockey face went away, but, um, rather than it recommending that they meet a, a recommendation that the council hasn't even adopted yet. So uh, um, that would be a, a suggested change to the amendment that's on the, the motion that's on the floor. Board Member Drago. Uh, to the chair, perhaps I can ask staff, would it be possible to uh, allow anyone uh, who wishes to to sever a motion on Zab, meaning we would just instead of having two dueling motions, which takes up time, <laughs> um, we could just vote on the thing we are all comfortable on, I believe, and then a vote on the recommendation separately. I mean, that's already the plan. She said her piece. She says she's going to support it. I think we can just move forward. Okay, I I missed that. That I am, uh, but um, I also um, and I, um, I appreciate the concern about uh, driving up cost. Um, my understanding, and this is I I called in two improvements uh, from the previous rendition. Um, another one that I didn't speak about because I was, you know, <laughs> uh, for time. Um, but it is a significant improvement is I think there are something like 40 spaces less parking uh, than the 2018 project. And my understanding is that parking is a money loser. So there is an opportunity here to save some costs as well by reducing car parking. Thank you. Yes. Just back up and respond to what Sashana said. If, if we've read into the record a recommendation that the applicant do something, um, does that make it a requirement? No. No? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. So currently on the floor, we have we have a motion with a condition, um, a recommendation, I'm sorry, with a recommendation. If there's any, is there any more discussion about that? And if not, then uh, we'll take a vote on it. I call the question. Vote. Okay. Okay. Um, we have a, a motion from Commissioner Trigu and a second from Commissioner O'Keefe to adopt the addendum to the 20, 2190 Shattuck Mixed Use Project Final EIR and approve use permit ZP 2022-0026 um, with the um, inclusion of the birth safety measures into the conditions of approval. And those birth safety measures were included as part of the EIR for the project. Um, consider increasing transit passes um, by adding one extra pass for three, four, and five bedroom units. 
and a recommendation to apply the required bird safe measures to the first 100 feet instead of the 12 meters as written in the condition of approval. Um, when I call your name, please state your position. Uh, Commissioner Trigu. Aye. Chair Duffy. Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Thompson. Commissioner Scheider. Aye. Commissioner O'Keefe. Yes. Commissioner Matthews. Yes. Commissioner Young. And Commissioner Sanderson. Yes. Thank you. The motion passes. You have your use permit. It's appealable 14 days after your notice of decision. Thank you. We now are going to, we're not totally done yet. Of course, we have the subcommittee reports, staff communications, and then we can have a motion to adjourn. First, um, we'd like to say subcommittee reports, design review committee. Yes, I can speak to that. Um, we do. Oh, I wish I, I should have that in front of me, at least what the, uh, what the, um, there's one on Shattuck. It was actually a very interesting project. It's a Trachtenberg project, and we actually made a, um, a negative recommendation onto Zab. So we will actually be having a pretty, um, contentious project coming for us. Um, and I don't know when that one's coming by. I forget the exact number of Shattuck. It's, um, close to Ashby and Shattuck. Um, so that'll be, that's coming up. I'll have to get the exact um I'll have to get the exact address to that one. Um but yeah. <laughs> I know shocking, right? Um that's it for DRC report. Thank you, board member Gaffney. All right. That's it for subcommittee report. Staff communications. No staff communications. No. Okay. I'll make a motion to adjourn. I'll second that motion. Can I I can second that motion. All in favor? Come on. Yes. <laughs> And we have to vote one by one. Yes, but let me call a vote. So we have a motion to adjourn by Commissioner Matthews and a second by Chair Duffy. When I call your name, please state your position. Uh, Commissioner Trigu. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Chair Duffy. Aye. Vice Chair Gaffney. Yes. Commissioner Thompson. Commissioner Scheider. Yes. Commissioner O'Keefe. Yes. Commissioner Matthews. Yes. Commissioner Young. Commissioner Sanderson. Yep. Motion passes. The motion passes. We are adjourned. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>